1: You're listening to Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL,
2: America's fastest-growing TV brand. I totally understand him. I totally get it. And he's dealing with Glenn, who doesn't know shit about basketball. Glenn, Glenn Taylor, is great. Yeah, probably. Well, I think a, he wasn't concerned about the Taylor part. I know. <laughs> you know, gotta make money, but he don't know anything about basketball. I think we'll bring it. If not, you'll see me yelling at people. That's what I'm supposed to do. Um, You'll see me talking to some guys nicely. That's what I'm supposed to do. But uh, I think all in all, if we go out here and we just play hard, um, for however many minutes the game needs for us to play in order to win, we'll be okay. I see Minnesota as a really, really good team too, man. They they, they got a really, really, really good team. They got good pieces. and I think at the end of the day, he's trying to motivate those guys. Those guys need to get in the room, sit, talk, be transparent with one another. And uh, discuss things like teammates, man. What
3: what is the poll that you guys have right now at 1500
4: ESPN on Twitter? Uh, It is, the next Jimmy Butler meltdown will be 60% say, and this is boring, another verbal outburst. Gets more exciting now. 16% say he will punch Wiggins. 14% say he will skip right to the chase and punch Tibbs. Wow. And only 10% say he will punch Cat. Wow.
3: I feel like Kim punching Tibbs would be a classic, like wrestling. It'd be a little like like Marty Jannetty getting super kicked through the barber shop window by
0: Shawn Michaels. That's that's Jim Ross saying, "Oh my
3: God, yeah. my God Almighty, punch <laughs> Tibbs!
0: That man For is God broken Almighty! in
3: half." I spent. Don't laugh at me. I spent some time over the past hour or so. Thinking of all the ways the Spurs and the Timberwolves contrast each other as franchises, not just in this moment, but historically, because that's who they play tonight. So it's hard not to think about the dysfunctional Timberwolves and the mostly well-oiled for 20 years, historically great San Antonio Spurs. Even when they do have something go sideways like the Kawhi Leonard deal, they win 47 games. They, they, you can take a top five player in the league off of that team, and they still win forty seven games. You take a top player off the Timberwolves roster, and they played at a thirty win pace without Jimmy Butler last year. Something like that. They yeah. played at a, or yeah, like maybe like a right. five
0: hundred or sub five hundred yeah, pace. They went, they went ten and thirteen without him last year. Okay, so like a thirty win pace
3: mm-hmm. without Jimmy Butler. Uh, the Spurs have always had this next man up, develop players mentality, right? Where all right, well. Tim Duncan's old, or in this case, Kawhi Leonard's out. And so who'd they turn to last year in part? DeJounte Murray, late first round pick, stepped his game up and became a key rotational player for them. And Kyle Anderson was also a late first round pick. The Timberwolves, meanwhile, opt to sign guys like Derek Rose over Tyus Jones, and they can barely develop number one overall picks like Andrew Wiggins, let alone a late first round pick or a second round pick. I mean, how many times have we seen, well, I guess a foot problem has kept, Justin Patton off the court for much of the last couple of years. But even when he was healthy, he was in the minors, right? He was in the, mm-hmm. in the G League. Uh, Greg Popovich is firm, much like Tom Thibodeau is firm. But Popovich is also, he's not as firm. Um, he's, Popovich is more caring and empathetic and builds mostly great relationships with his players, even though he's got that firm leadership, gruff style. And Tom Thibodeau has the interpersonal communication skills of a boulder. Yeah, he's not as smart. That too. It's just that simple. right? Which is another layer here in terms of contrasting things about the Spurs and the Timberwolves. Uh, The Spurs' ownership is mostly curious and innovative, and they put smart people in places who are thought leaders in the NBA. They find coaches like Becky Hammond, right? They put smart people in the front office who get hired away to different organizations. Timberwolves' ownership is obtuse, oblivious. Never has an inside what's track on un- individual What's Glenn Taylor hires?
4: like? That's a good question. I wonder what KG thinks Glenn Taylor is like. Hmm, star player.
2: I totally player. understand him. I totally get it. And he's dealing with Glenn, who who doesn't know shit about basketball. Glenn, Glenn probably Taylor. Great, <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, is, I think we weren't concerned about the time apart. I know. I know. <laughs> you know how <laughs> you know, to make money, but you don't know anything about basketball. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And speaking of Kevin Garnett, I mean, we could we could go on with this list for the next hour, but... The Spurs historically take franchise players like Tim Duncan and David Robinson and Tony Parker and they blast those players to the moon, multiple rings, legendary status, playing into June every single year, right? Mm -hmm. The Timberwolves take franchise players and drive them out of the organization and create friction and alienate them. Kevin Garnett won't even speak, won't even step foot inside Target Center, won't even speak to the ownership. Yep. Uh, Kevin Love, yeah, maybe Kevin Love brought some of that on himself, but Kevin Love horrible exit from the organization, and now Jimmy Butler. Again, some of it's Jimmy Butler being Jimmy Butler, but ready to burn the building down to get out of Minnesota.
0: Arguably, the three best players in franchise history. Absolutely, I mean, you could probably put Cat in that mix too, maybe, but, but
4: they've alienated him too to this, some extent. Yeah. This is why. This is why I have come to my senses, and as I said in hour one, I've embraced the chaos and dysfunction. Thirty years in, we got to do it. We got to bring back the all-time Wolves dysfunction team. You know, ordinarily you'd say let's bring back our just our best players, but in this case, there's some of your best players, and they were they played key roles in your dysfunction. Think about it, Ryder. He'd for sure be on it, right? Marbury. Mm -hmm. Well, would you put would you put Love on it? Heck yes.
3: What about Johnny Flynn? The, no, this let's is not stopping a starting no. lineup here. Okay, let's, let's, but what I'm saying is, let's go on 12 a full deep. 12-man <laughs> roster. No, yeah. let's vote.
4: You, Evie, you could, vo- you could vote, you could vote for the starting roster of the Wolves' all-time dysfunction team. Well, well let's just let's just spitball this here. Let's let's start with the starting five. Marbury's
3: got to be your point guard. And w- well, okay, so what? That was my question. I think he has got to be your point. What constitutes
4: dysfunction here? Is it anything and everything? Marbury demanding a trade. Yeah, and the fact that he was he was going to be the Stockton to Garnett's Malone, and then he decides that he can't take the fact that KG's going to make more, and it becomes a complete gong show, okay. and he demands a trade. I think he definitely fits in. Are we yeah. putting, yeah. putting
0: Jimmy Butler, I guess, would have to be the, the two-guard, right? We have to make sure Marco Yarich is on the roster, and we have to make sure he comes out into the court with his jersey on backwards. <laughs> we have to we have to be sure that that is a part of the it. Yes. Uh, well if if Marco Yarich is on
3: the roster, I think around that same Timberwolves era, wouldn't you put Mike Miller, who
4: refused to shoot three-pointers, mm-hmm. can Sprewell make this team? Where where could Sprewell play because I mean he has to feed his family. Yeah, the feed my family thing's one of the great all-time. Well, what's what's
3: what's easier or what's harder? What's harder? Putting together an all wolves dysfunction team, or putting together an all wolves franchise team.
4: It's probably. What's harder? Game. The
3: franchise, franchise. team, because to no, be right? the same roster,
0: pretty much. <laughs> yeah, right.
4: But it's hard. It's harder to put together a thirty year all wolves franchise team. Yeah. We could do the dysfunction team in ten seconds. I bet. <laughs>
3: well, we just did. Pretty much. Yeah. Exactly. Six five one six four six eight two five five. I'm a little bit with you on this. I never thought they would get to this point where the season is here. And not only is Jimmy Butler still on the roster, but he's back. And they've practiced. They've played. Well, he didn't play in a preseason game, did he? But No. But he's back, and they're just going to push forward with this, which is apparently what Tom Thibodeau wanted the entire time. And We'll see what happens. Let's uh, go to the full lines here, the Wolves' vent lines. Casey and St. Paul, you're on with Mackie and Judd.
5: Hey, guys. How we doing? Um Good. What's going on? Big fan of the show, and uh, enjoy our Twitter interactions, uh, Lucky leps. Mackey, right on, man. Thanks, wanna, Casey. Yeah, anytime you want to rub out Mackie on the uh, Fighting Irish, let me know and we'll grab a
3: pint. Hey, I but think anyways, I think I saw with their because they don't play a ranked team the rest of the year, Casey. I'm I'm totally jinxing this, but they only have like a small percentage chance to not make the playoff at this point. So we'll right, see.
5: Florida State and uh, the last game of the year against USC at their play. Uh. So here's here's my thought. Uh, that I, I feel like, unfortunately, and this is where like the wolves just can't win. So I don't know if you marked us in the defunction box or just the unlucky box. But if we take the, if we take a couple of steps back, I, I look at it this way too. If, if let's say we don't get tips, right? And that was the obvious signing that everybody said he wanted to come here and so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden you find out that the hang up was maybe Glenn made the right decision by saying, we're not going to give him the president of operations, right? Not just local media, but national media would just tear us apart and go, Why the hell wouldn't they bring in Tibbs? He's the best pla you know the best coach available and so forth, right? So that's one. Two is the other factor is is let's say it gets leaked out around the draft time that Chicago's shopping Jimmy Butler. And for whatever reason, either Glenn steps in and says, Hey, we're giving up too much for him, or what or whatnot, and we don't get Jimmy Butler, then everybody's ripping us again by saying why is how is Minnesota not getting Thibodeau's favorite guy? Now I know that these are hypotheticals and so forth, but when you look at the defunction that is followed, it's unfortunate because it seemed like both of those were the right moves with a very small percentage chance of it blowing up in our face and it's blowing up in our face.
3: Yeah. Casey, thanks for the call. And we love interacting with, with you and anyone else. You can follow us on Twitter at 1500 ESPN Judd at Manny Hill, 84 at Phil Mackey. Um, I think the Tom Thibodeau hire was a lot more risky than the Jimmy Butler trade because you knew that the Jimmy Butler trade was going to put you in the playoffs, and it did. The Tom Thibodeau hire, if he was just a coach, maybe hire him as just the coach, and then you put someone in charge of the front office that can balance him out personality-wise, uh, stylistically, someone who believes more in modern spacing and three-point shooting and you know efficiency things that are happening in the NBA right now. Uh, but also at the same time, I mean, let's say you said it was a no-brainer to bring in Tibbs and a no-brainer to trade for Jimmy Butler. Well, the dysfunction comes in when managing this now. Okay, That's, this is uh-huh. what you have. You've got Young and you've got star, and it's not, now it's time to manage egos like a big boy coach. Like Phil Jackson did for 15 years with the Lakers and the Bulls, right? Yep. Like uh, Brad Stevens does now with Kyrie Irving and
4: Gordon Hayward. And not that Gordon Hayward has a huge ego, but... But if you're Glenn, here's the problem. Because in both those cases, I said, fantastic, you got the biggest name out there, and then that guy goes and gets Butler, and we all said, this is going to be great. But if you're Glenn, the issue now is, it hasn't worked out, and you're doing nothing. So I'm not, I am in no way saying that I, I said, well, you know, Tib seems like, I don't know about this, or same thing for Butler, Yeah, but... What are you doing now? And that that's where this is embarrassing. Yeah. Also,
3: don't don't be fooled. Let's come back with this. It it might be easy to get fooled here if they get off to a decent start, but let's talk about that because let's not let's not lose sight of the ball here as the Timberwolves open their season against the San Antonio Spurs. The football hour is coming up later on in the five o'clock with Matthew Collar. Rich Gannon will join us. So we'll also catch up with Jace Frederick, who covers the Wolves for twincities.com and the Pioneer Press. Can't take our eyes off this. It's it's ambulance chasing at its best. I'm, in, I'm intrigued by it. And uh, Brewers and Dodgers, no score right now. The game just started. Top of the first inning, Clayton Kershaw on the mound against Ryan. Mackie and Judd are back.
4: You're about to make a whole lot of
0: people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check on your traffic. And uh, first, we'll go 94 westbound. Uh, we have a crash in minneapolis between franklin avenue and riverside avenue and uh, that is causing a delay of 21 minutes good luck to you if you're headed that way and also 35 east southbound we have a crash in saint paul between pennsylvania avenue and university uh adding about five minutes to your commute there so uh drive safe out there folks
2: you know i think jimmy uh i thought this is about uh being better Uh, i didn't I, i Maybe it's uh, when you read between the lines about an extension, uh, but I do know that you don't have too many years to, to to do this. You know, we probably got what three to four years of good years in him to where you know he can he can he can start this. Um, you know, when you go to new teams, you, you know that's all about chemistry and how you how you how you bonding with guys. So you know this this whole thing, man, should just be to the side. I wish they just focus on winning and trying to get this thing uh, uh, under control. It's, a, it's it's a really a, a rat storm up there, man. I hope they just really sit down in a room and get this done and focus on basketball, man. They're a really good team that can really impact the West, man. KG was, uh,
3: was tearing it up yesterday on Inside the NBA pregame show.
4: It's interesting that KG, too, and, and you could sense it from there and uh, certainly his sit-down with Johnny Krasinski in The Athletic last week. KG's weighing of this is very intriguing from this perspective. You can tell he likes Butler, but he doesn't think he's that good. Like he's very he very much refers to him as he's a good player. Yeah. But we'll but call he him does, an A
0: minus player.
4: Yeah, but he clearly doesn't see him as a superstar. And so everything he says is I like Jimmy and I think he likes how Jimmy's wired, but he never comes out and says, Well, that's a great play. He comes out and says things like, Manny just said, he's an A minus yeah. player or he's a nice player. He, he's a good player. KG's
3: caught between yeah, thinking that Jimmy's an A minus player who's handling this in a way that's not I mean, he even told John Krasinski, listen, I got on guys in practice. I never demanded a trade or made it this public, et cetera. But he also hates Glenn Taylor with a fiery passion. So I'm sure there's part of KG that's thinking, yeah, Jimmy's pointing out all the things that need to be pointed out about this clown franchise. And thank God for that. But maybe Jimmy needs to pump the brakes a little bit. But this is where we can't lose sight of the ball here. Tom Thibodeau wanted this to happen. He wanted Butler to come back to settle down, take the summer, I'm just going to ignore your trade request and ignore Carl Anthony Towns all summer and just stick my head in the sand and pretend like everything's fine, and by the time October 17th hits and the team travels to Texas to play San Antonio, the roster will be intact and I'll have what I want, and maybe there's some friction, but I love friction because I'm Tom Thibodeau, right, and he got what he wanted. And maybe they even start hot, San Antonio without Kawhi Leonard, Cleveland at home. I know we went through the schedule. Dallas, but they do have some tough games. LeBron in Los Angeles and Golden State, Utah. So, but but they've got a bunch of home games early on. If they start hot, and if there's less tension than we think, and oh man, maybe this is going to be a competitive team again. That maybe they can make this work. It doesn't matter because you can't beat the Warriors in 2018, 19. You aren't going to beat the Warriors. You're probably not even going to beat two or three other teams in the Western Conference if everything was going your way in a seven-game series. Mm -hmm. This is the last year of a top 15 player on your roster. He's not coming back. He's flat-out told you he's not coming back. So if your goal is to add assets and key players to your current team, sans Jimmy Butler, beyond Mm 2018-19, you don't have cap space, because you got all these other contracts like Gorgie Jang and Andrew Wiggins is a max player now and Carl anthony Towns. Jeff Teague. And, yeah. So the only way to add players to Carl anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler is to trade for other players. And you're sitting on a top 15 player in the NBA, a really nice trade chip that you might only get 75 cents on the dollar for. But it's still more than you'd get in any other trade scenario with anybody else on the roster not named Carl anthony Towns. If you try to trade Andrew Wiggins, you'd have to attach... A Tyus Jones, or attach a first-round pick to get rid of which, him.
4: Which, by the way, they might do.
3: Right. I mean, they've we've heard some of those you, rumors. You don't ha-
4: lose sight of the ball. Well, is my point. It's very safe to say that you have a chief basketball executive actively sabotaging your franchise. He's sabotaging it. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's not being just delinquent. He's not being just. Well, that's sort of a dumb, questionable move. He is actively sabotaging your franchise for the betterment of the now for one person's sake. Yes.
3: Tibbs. He's choosing to ramrod this team, if if he can keep it together for the next six to seven months, he's choosing to ramrod this team up into the Western Conference playoff bracket to get beat in four games by the Golden State
4: Warriors and then hope to God that Jimmy Butler resigns. But no, That's what he's hoping for. But, but, and this is why I've embraced the chaos. Nothing is being done about this. Tibbs isn't being fired. Butler, who is without question, has done about three things that are worthy of being suspended, is not being. I've embraced this because Glenn Taylor is sitting here and watching his franchise, again, be sabotaged and is completely accepting it. He's completely, he's not. The the amount of of delinquency towards this franchise right now is off the charts and if you care about this team shame on you well, shame
3: I, I i do actually but, but yeah, that's raise my manny like, okay. alright we'll start ourselves but,
4: but yeah. sh- shame on both shame on both of you for caring about a product that the people running it don't care about and everything that the people that run this product are doing screams we don't really care yeah.
0: that might be why i care so much is because if they don't, I somebody has to, you know. I mean, it. it, it, it it's just, I, I mean, it, it, it. this whole thing is, I, I look back at, and I'm not trying to use the Phoenix Suns as a model franchise right now because they're, you know, they're rebuilding and they got a ways to go and everything too. But remember when Eric Bledsoe last year tweeted out, he had that tweet that said, I don't want to be here. Yeah. He was traded like, not I don't even think it was a week later he was traded. It might have been like a week later. Yeah, they pretty much like they didn't put. Yeah. they 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 didn't even have him at practice, right? Yeah, you they know. they 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 sent him home. What have you been saying about Butler? They need to send him home. They sent Eric Bledsoe home and then they traded him. Now, whether or not they got the right return for him or not, whatever yeah. that that can be debated or whatever. But they made the move.
3: Well, here's the and ult- they got him out of here. Here's the ultimate irony. I think this is irony. Maybe. Maybe Judd can tell me if this is irony. What's going to happen? Guaranteed what's going to happen? Tom Thibodeau plays Jimmy Butler too many minutes, Andrew. and Jimmy Butler gets hurt and mm-hmm. has to have surgery. Thus, rendering move. the Wolves' trade chip irrelevant and useless, and then he hits free agency, and the Wolves have no cap space, and they have nothing in return for Jimmy Butler. That's poetic justice. At the justice. hands of Tom Thibodeau for playing him 43 minutes with no preseason games.
4: That is exactly what they deserve.
3: I don't want to wish like injury upon somebody. Well, but. he's
4: going to. I, I'm not so convinced. And and so if Taylor told Sid the truth today, Taylor has now empowered Laden to try and trade Butler because Tibbs is supposed to coach th- this team, which means that Scott is never going to trade Jimmy because Tibbs is n- never going to say okay to that. So if that's the case, Phil, yeah. I think we're going to get a month or two in. And and the contention with Butler is he won't dog it if he's playing, which I believe on the floor. But if his agent finally calls him and says, Jimmy, they're not trading you, yeah. he's going to say, you know what? I can get a scope. I mean, that's the thing. And, and and even
3: though the chemistry... That's what you're is, saying comes true. Yep. Even though the chemistry is messed up with this team, there's enough talent. And I think Josh Okogie, if he plays 10, 15 minutes, that dude can play some defense. He's a high energy player. Tolliver mm. hits three pointers. You know, just putting this collection on the floor, even if they hate each other and there's... Friction it's is gonna lead. Team. Yeah, it's gonna lead you to a certain amount of wins. And so if they're performing even at a respectable level, what's it gonna take for Tom Thibodeau to be the one to pull the plug on it? Right that he, he can't like he will not
4: pull the plug on this Glenn would have and trade to. Jimmy Butler. Glenn would have to, and I have no faith that Glenn can do that.
3: Buckle up. It all starts tonight. We're gonna talk to Jace Frederick, who covers the wolves for the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com and also Rich Gannon coming up in about forty five minutes. In then Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios,
2: please keep working during the following announcement.
3: Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN.
5: How soon after the season did you tell him how you feel? Four days. Four days after the season? Four. How clear were you?
2: Have you ever known me to hide anything?
0: <laughs> I'm just asking. Look,
2: look what happened today at breakfast. I know. Have you ever <laughs> known me to hold back? hmm No. There, there, there's, I, I was completely honest about everything, about everything.
1: On media day, Tom, you said that the, week, the meeting you had with, before training camp with Jimmy was the first time he told you that he wanted to be traded. He told the ESPN, he kind of told you of his
2: wishes. Look, we're not going to keep getting into that. We're, if you want to talk about the Spurs, that's what we're going to talk about. I mean, you guys want to keep the drama going. We're not going
3: there. Yeah, Jace. Jace Frederick,
4: you... Boat of the Bears, Phil. Fake. You want to talk about the boat of the Bears, Dante Culpepper? Yeah,
3: you fake news reporter for com and Pioneer Press. What do you say for yourself <laughs> asking those tough questions?
1: I don't... I mean, I didn't sleep very well last night. I mean, just a professional podster, and obviously I'm what's wrong with the Timberwolves, and they'd be in such good shape if it wasn't for me. Um, I don't know, man. I'm having a real tough time with it. I just... <laughs> But I just love drama. You know, that's all, that's all I can do. I'm addicted to it. I'm going to try to create it even when it's obviously not there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I, guess I have an addiction. So first, first step is admitting you have the
4: problem. Be nice if you could get on board like the rest of us did a long time ago and just cheer for the hometown teams. How surprised are you, Jace, that we are now to opening night and that uh, this team is going to go in with Butler on the floor and seemingly, seemingly for now at least Tibbs has won shocked
1: um I would have said right after Butler made his trade request that either Jimmy Butler wasn't going to be on the team because they had made a trade and I would have thought if they didn't execute a trade by now that Tom Thibodeau wasn't going to be with the team anymore you know I would have thought one thing or another you know they the idea was that they wanted this done so long ago um that I just not in my wildest dreams could I have thought that hey we'd be coming into opening night and Jimmy Butler would be on the floor in a Timberwolves jersey and Tom Thibodeau would be coaching him on the sidelines. I'm shocked that this is how it has all kind of shaken out. Um, but I guess maybe I shouldn't be surprised uh, with the Timberwolves that this is this is how things have, have kind of unfolded here, and uh, it's it's going to be really interesting for a long time as long as this is as long as this kind of stays as as the status quo.
3: So I was just telling these guys last segment, too, if you boil this all down and you cut through the noise and the agendas and you're just objective about this, and I'm talking to Tom Thibodeau here, too, they can't win the championship this year, not in a Golden State Warriors and Boston Celtics world. So let's put that to bed and in a LeBron James world. So you can't win the championship this year. And Jimmy Butler, who's a free agent at the end of the season, has told you he's not coming back. So... With those two realities staring you in the face, if you're Tom Thibodeau and you can't pull the trigger on something that gets you 75 cents on the dollar, um, what would you say you do here?
1: Well, but if you're Tom Thibodeau and you're looking at your reality, you're saying, well, if I trade Jimmy Butler, there's a really good chance that we don't make the playoffs. And while maybe we could get pieces that set us up better for the future, the odds are if we don't make the playoffs, I'm not a part of that future. So if you're Tom Thibodeau, then you're probably thinking, what gives us the best chance to succeed right now? I guess that that probably helps me best personally. That's how I would look at it if I was in Tip's shoes. If I was in Tip's shoes, I would have drug my feet the entire way too, because you know you're just probably not in that stable of a position right now, uh, just in terms of your employment. Where if you, if, you, if this team takes three steps back with the Jimmy Butler trade and wins thirty five, thirty eight games, well, I, I'd have a hard time believing you're back the next year. So at some point, self preservation kind of clicks into it. Now, certainly for the long term future, and if I was Glenn Taylor, that's how I would be looking at it. That's how I would be making sure the moves were made. Yeah, it makes way too much sense to trade Butler, get whatever you can in terms of young assets, maybe a pick, something like that, set yourself up for the future, kind of do like a, a, a soft reset um, on this building process, and and I don't know, I guess play out this year and look forward to and start building towards something again in the future, but I don't blame Tom Thibodeau for not looking at it that way at all, given his current position. So
3: I do, and because I, I think there's two other ways of, of self-preservation here. If you're an in, in open-minded and and uh, more thoughtful president of basketball operations. I think self-preservation item number one would be sometime three or four months ago, get your two players in a room, Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler, and get them on the same page. And, he, and if he had made an effort, and nothing that we've heard that's been reported has pointed in that direction, if he had made an effort and it failed, okay, well, then I gave it the old college try. And then the other form of self-preservation, and you tell me if I'm wrong on this, Jace, but... Couldn't he have gone to Glenn Taylor and said, All right, so we were really hoping for Jimmy Butler to want to be here long term, but there's a situation between him and the young guys is just there's just too much of a gap in personality and it's not it's not working, but I believe in the long-term vision of this franchise, and uh, and even though I really don't want to trade Jimmy Butler, we're going to make this work, and we're going to bring in some key young pieces, and I'm going to lead this thing forward into the future, and he hasn't even att- I, as far as we know, he's never had that conversation with Glenn Taylor either. It's him and Jimmy jumping off a cliff together basically.
1: Sure, and, and I I think your way the, the two ways you described that right there would be the best of direction, but at the same time with Tibbs, I mean, I don't know in these last two years how well he's connected and and really feels like he's gotten Wiggins and Towns to kind of I don't know buy into what he wants to do and and kind of really mess with them and I, I just don't know how well that's going as far as working with those two guys so now if you trade Jimmy Butler and you go back with young guys well now we're looking at something a young team which as we saw two years ago didn't really work um you're kind of putting yourself back in that exact same position and I kind of think he's probably thinking well I'm setting myself up to fail in that spot so I mean I I'm not saying that they're doing things the right way at all right now, but I think he's thinking this is how I have to do it, and this is how I want to do it because this is what I'm most comfortable with, and, and the direction that I think we have to go. I don't know for for I guess myself right now because we just we just saw. I mean, two years ago, that like, he just could not get through like his defensive schemes. Whatever it may be, the intensity, the effort he wanted the guys to play with, just with that young team, it just didn't work out for much of the season, um, and that's why I think why he was like, "Well, we gotta, we gotta change some things up." He traded for Jimmy Brother, He brought in some older guys. So I don't think he was in his mind. He's probably thinking that they can go back to building again through a young team because it just it went so poorly two years ago.
4: So Jay's Tips is uh, clearly here buying time. Tell me this though. What's your guess about how long they can drag the process out for? Because it's pretty clear from what Glenn has now told Jimmy, which is, we're going to look to trade you ASAP if you're a good guy. And clearly from Jimmy's comments today in San Antonio, he was saying, I'm going to yell at some guys and I'm going to be, I'm going to talk very softly to some who can't take it. How long do you think we can continue down this path before this blows up completely in Tibbs' face and Taylor's face?
1: That's a good question. I wouldn't have thought even this long. Um, so I, I guess I don't really know. Uh, uh, they, they've they clearly been able to, at least in, in Taylor's mind, fake enough here of trying to put together a trade process to please him, uh, that they're putting in the effort to do it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, I still don't think they're going to be actively seeking out calls and they'll kind of be keep receiving calls and see how that goes. Um, how long exactly, like, now Jimmy's probably going to, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks down the road to say, like, hey, what's our progress here? And if there isn't much made, then I doubt it'll be quite as cordial. Um, I'm kind of curious to see in this season, like, right now he's saying, you know, the right things this week and whatnot, but, you know, I, I think his leash with, with some of these other guys, like, when he's not pleased with the way they're playing defense or the effort they're putting in, I think, he might go off a little bit quicker and maybe even harsher than he did at times last season. So I I do think eventually, I don't know if it's a month, two months down the road, either he's going to become so irritated or just simply like the rubber's going to kind of meet the road, just where his, I don't know, his frustration with the way things worked last year and probably how they'll carry into this year will eventually be like, okay, we can't have this anymore because he's going to, probably push his, pull his weight, push his weight around a little bit there and, and kind of, I think, try to make something happen eventually if he's not pleased with how things are going. So I'd be surprised if it's more than two months, um, but I think he'll at least, well, a couple weeks here, I think he'll try, probably try to stick to his word and be the, be, try to be a good teammate and give the best effort he can. But I, it's, I'd be shocked if this last into you know, like 2020. 2019. Excuse me, it jumped a year ahead there. Definitely won't last till
0: 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Jace, how how does this thing? How do they handle this if they get off to? Let's say they get through the first ten games and they're six and four or seven and three, and at least they're winning games. And it might be, you know, it might be ugly in, in terms of how they were, you know, like the like how they were winning games last year. But they were winning games, and they're seven and three or something like that in the first ten games. How how do they handle that? And if Jimmy still wants out, which I think we're all kind of anticipating that he, he still will, how what what how do they how do they even handle that sort of scenario?
1: Yeah, that's that's something that I've thought about. I mean, if they have success and it looks like okay, this lineup is working, then I can see Tibbs being like, kind of going back to Jimmy and being like, hey, this isn't that bad, is it? Like maybe you're interested in sticking around here. You are like this this is this is working. Um, but I would expect him to entirely be like, no, I still want out. But I think best case scenario for Minnesota is if Jimmy plays well, um, maybe maybe an angry Jimmy plays even better, um, and then and then as teams see him playing well and see Minnesota, okay, yeah, they are willing to play with him, that the offers get even better. Um, and I think then maybe that that will be a case where if Minnesota plays well and Jimmy Butler's leading the charge, then maybe the offers will up and Minnesota gets something where they say, okay, yeah, this is something that we can actually stomach uh, trading Butler for. So I think that's kind of the best case scenario. But yeah, the worst case scenario is definitely. Tib saying, you know, hey, this is going great. Let's let's maybe slow play this out a little bit longer and uh, and see exactly where we can go here with this unit. Yeah.
3: Hey, great info and insights, Jace. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate All right. it. Jace Frederick from TwinCities.com and the Pioneer
4: Press. Yeah, this all-time dysfunction team is it's really hard to pick. <laughs> I've got about 50 submissions here. You have been having
0: fun putting that whole roster together. Well, I can't do it just... though. It's a,
4: it's a, I can't even pick the right executive
0: or coach. Is it Rambus or is it Whitman or is it Bill Blair? See, if that's my decision, I'm going with David Kahn because I've said on the air several times that I think David Kahn is the worst sports executive in the yeah. history of professional. That's executive though. David.
4: That's Tibbs. That's Tibbs against Kahn. Which Kahn Yeah, Kahn yeah. wins.
0: I mean, Tibbs brought this team to the playoffs for the first right. time in
4: 14 years, but he's so. a terrible executive. But David it's, Kahn was part, as inept yeah. as it possibly gets. Yeah.
3: What was the 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 coach it was who was the the main coach? Jimmy that, Rogers was terrible. Who who was the main coach that told Kevin Love he shouldn't shoot threes? Was that, that was, Kurt Rambis? That was Rambis. Randy
0: Whitman? Randy Whitman. Okay. Okay. It's Randy I think Whitman. It might have been Randy Whitman. Can you imagine like telling Loves one of the greatest
3: year. shooting seven footers in the history of basketball to keep it inside the block? There, don't you uh, keep it inside the paint, son?
0: Because Randy Whitman got fired, I think, like <laughs> twenty games into Kevin Love's rookie year, and then McHale took over, and then Glenn went to Kevin McHale and said, "Okay, you're firing Whitman now. You got to coach the team. This is on you." And then I remember they actually started to play. Okay, they were playing like 500 basketball, and then Al Jefferson tore his ACL, and then everything just went to yeah. hell again. And then Mikhail got fired and entered David Kahn. Dude. dude,
3: Kevin Love is one of the greatest big men shooters in NBA history, and Randy Whitman told him, "Nah, that's not how we play ball here." What is, nah, dude? Hook, hook shots, what shorter is
4: shorts. Kevin Love gonna think on Friday night when he comes here and he doesn't get booed. And Butler and Tibbs just get lit up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Kevin
3: Love has a lot more money in his bank account now, but they're going to get beat. I mean, Kevin Love's going to get beat, I think.
0: I think the the Cavs are formidable without LeBron, but we'll see. I think tonight will tell us a lot. I think tonight, how they look tonight will tell us a whole lot. If they win tonight, then it might not be that bad. But if they lose tonight and how they look,
2: we'll see. Totally understand him. I totally get it. And he's dealing with Glenn, who who doesn't know sh- about basketball. Glenn, Glenn Taylor, a great. Yeah, probably well, I a, think he probably. We wasn't concerned about the Tyler part. I know. You know how you know, to make, you know, make money, but he don't know anything about basketball. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN.
3: Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back.
2: Come on, there's so much to do. On
0: 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic. It is brought to you by the Better Business Bureau, 94 eastbound. We have a traffic incident uh, reported. That is uh, between Marshall and uh, Creighton Avenue in St. Paul. That is uh, adding about six minutes to your commute if you're in that area and uh yeah so if you're in that area be on the lookout for that also 394 westbound we have a crash in golden valley between louisiana avenue and 169 factor in about an extra three minutes there join better business bureau at the torch awards for ethics bbb's torch award embodies better business bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium, October 24th, purchase tickets at BBB.org slash Minnesota.
2: Totally understand him. I totally get it. And he's dealing with Glenn, who, who doesn't know sh- about basketball. Glenn probably Taylor. Is great, yeah, probably well, is I a, think we were not concerned about the a, time a, apart. I know. <laughs> you know how you know, to make, you know, make money, but he don't know anything about basketball. Okay, huh? can we, we, I,
3: There's one criticism of KG's comments there, which were on Inside the NBA's pregame show on TNT last night. Or he rips Glenn Taylor, and the the most commonly heard criticism that I've observed of KG is, KG, man, how can you rip the guy that made you a quarter of a billionaire? Or how can you rip the guy that paid you 150 or $200 million over X amount of years? To which I say, come on now, pump the brakes. Was Glenn Taylor the only gatekeeper in the world for KG to make a bunch of money? No. His value as a basketball player... Mm-hmm dictated that he would make X amount of money. And whether Glenn Taylor wanted to pay him or somebody else, there's a bunch of billionaires in the world who are going to pay Kevin Garnett $20 million a year. So this whole, like, well, Glenn, Glenn Taylor deserves respect because he paid you this. Yeah, okay, like, thank you for paying me, but if you wouldn't have paid me, those other 29 billionaire owners would have paid me too. It was the market that paid him. I'd love wasn't to,
4: Glenn Taylor. I'd love to know what flipped told him when, when they brought him back from the Nets. I'd love to know what was promised at, at that time because it did seem... I don't understand from Glenn's end. Here's what I don't get. I don't understand because Flip went out of his way and worked really hard to repair a relationship with between Taylor and KG that was broken at the time. If you're Taylor... How do you not work your ass off to make sure, even if Tibbs comes in and says I can't, I can't use KG, he's too old, he's broken down? How do you not work your behind off to make sure that it doesn't have to end, and that, and that if he's no longer going to play for your team, mm-hmm. you at least make sure that flip that flip is honored by you not destroying this thing again for a second time. That's what that's what confuses me about yeah. this whole. How
0: thing. is Kevin Garnett not in that building? in any know, sort don't. of capacity at all. How?
3: Yeah, some of it's on just, KG. Sure. Because KG is a volatile personality behind the scenes. You know, you, there's all kinds of accounts of him blowing people off forever and, and treating people certain ways behind the scenes. So it's definitely not 100% on Glenn. But if you're Glenn, I feel like it's top priority with how much of a laughingstock this franchise has been to make that relationship work to find a way to if you have to get on your knees and like make amends but, but with Kevin Garnett. It.
4: No, but he had it. All he had to do was was it's pretty clear. Glenn should have gone to Tibbs and said and said, "Tom, I get it that that he can't play, but we are going to work something out here so that this does not fracture again because he is easily without a doubt the greatest player in franchise history and this got screwed up before and Flip, who's now dead, so let's so let's do something to Remember, flip. Let's make sure that things between KG and this organization now go smoothly. Yeah. And instead, he, he didn't. This is this is the one thing I don't get about people who own sports teams or are 80s and colleges. You know, well, my football coach said we're we're doing this. Well, you, you, you're his boss. Glenn Taylor is Tibbs's boss, so you tell Tom here's what we're gonna do with KG. And if Tom says I don't like that. And in some cases, you say too damn bad. We're doing this,
3: but Glenn. If Glenn, this is the other component. If Glenn isn't willing to just light the twenty-four million dollars over three years on fire for Tom Thibodeau, then Tom Thibodeau has the leverage over Glenn Taylor. I mean, if, if yeah, Glenn, yeah, no, I know, like but if, if, it drives if, me crazy. If Glenn Taylor can put himself in a spot where he says, "Well, this isn't working, and I just have to be willing to swallow this," it's a it was a bad decision. It's a sunk cost at this point. I don't know if he's put himself in that place mentally. I really don't. I almost feel like. He thinks he needs to salvage something out of the third year of Tom Thibodeau's contract, so that he's only lighting a smaller percentage but of that twenty-four million dollars on fire. Sixteen fly. million. But
4: and how be, how yeah. difficult would the KG thing have been to to once again, Glenn Taylor, Kevin, and Tom sit down and say, "What can we do so everyone, if they're not completely satisfied, is at least happy, so that when KG leaves this place, he is not once again." completely done with all of us. You know, it wouldn't have been that tough. It wouldn't have been that tough. And Garnett's not a moron. He probably knew that that his body was past the point of being an effective player. So what did these two guys do again to cause this rift with, with not a nice player? If it's a nice player, I don't give a damn. But to Manny's yeah. point, he's 1,000% right. The best player in franchise history who you have to have his number in the rafters. Here's another way to frame it.
3: So Kevin Garnett is what is he, the fifth twentieth best player in NBA history? Is he a top twenty player in NBA I history?
0: Think he, I think he is, yeah.
3: Let's say he's the twentieth best player in NBA history. If you looked at the other nineteen players, how many of those nineteen have a non speaking terms relationship with their main team that they played for? Like could you imagine if if Kobe Bryant and the Los Angeles Lakers, like the 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 player that represents your franchise's history, yeah.
0: I mean, really? Like that's well, what we're talking about here. Think about with Shaq. Shaq didn't leave the Lakers on good terms. No, in Shaq and the
3: Shaq and the Ma- you could say Shaq and the Magic or Shaq. Has Shaq ever gone back to Orlando? Maybe that's an example. A, I think he still has a house in Orlando. But KG has a house in Minnesota. But
4: I just feel bad because Flip, <laughs> God rest his soul, worked so hard to bring that guy back, and it took a ton of work. And and Glenn and Tom undermined that work in a matter of months or less. I just
0: just don't. we, We talked about it earlier. I just don't understand how the three or four greatest players in the history of this franchise have all been in some way, shape or form been alienated by it. I just that that is mind boggling. That's almost impossible to do.
3: Yep. And the San Antonio Spurs, meanwhile, take all of their all of their superstars and blast them to the championship. Banner rafters and uh, the wolves are on the other side. Well, they play each other tonight. Wolves and Spurs opener. Get your popcorn ready. When we come back, it's the football hour. Rich Gannon in about fifteen or twenty minutes. Maybe Matthew Collar can help us explain why the Vikings' defense has been a lot better recently and whether that's sustainable. And uh, by the way, Brewers up one nothing now in the top of the third inning. Runners on second, third, one out. Clayton Kershaw against Christian Yelich. We'll keep you posted on that game as well from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment.
2: Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackey and Judd.
3: Absolutely. On 1500
2: ESPN.